0: So welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show brought to you by the Influence Alliance, the business building community for coaches and consultants who want to build a sustainable, scalable business they love. And I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says a clear, consistent brand focused on providing value attracts your target audience. It creates a so you don't have to push. And joining me on today's show is Marie Ziminoff. Marie merges vision and best practice training to elevate the career industry worldwide. She trains career professionals around the globe in resume writing, career coaching, business development. Marie holds an MED in counselling and career development from Colorado State University and numerous resume writing, coaching and branding certifications. Now on today's show, Marie is going to share with us three questions we need to ask ourselves to go beyond the surface in connecting with our customers and helping us to break through that online noise. She's also going to share four stories that you need to engage your ideal client, as well as how to get past the overwhelm of posting online to build your community. So welcome to the show, Marie. Yes, thanks for having me, Anne-Marie. It's great to be here. This is such a good topic, particularly for what's going online now. We know that so many more businesses are online sharing their message, which makes it so important for each and every one of us who really is sharing a message to make a difference, make an impact, but also to generate and I guess get in front of our ideal client and nurture them along that customer journey. It's even more important. But before we dive into to that, what is it that, you, that really attracted you to the career industry? How? helping career professionals? Was it something that, What give us a bit of an oversight of your, your, career, your career journey? Yeah, so I was
1: working at the university and knew that I liked helping people through that getting started in your career and launching and thought I wanted to work in, in the university space. Then I had the opportunity to work with a woman who was running her own career services practice. And I thought, oh, this is great. Get that opportunity to help the young as well as, You know, people in their middle career figure out what they want to do and be happier and more successful at work. And we know we spend so much time in our lives at work. Why not be happy and successful? And guess what? That overflows to the other areas of your life. When you are unhappy at work, it usually comes back home with you. So it's just a big a big way to make an impact in an individual's life. And then I got a little taste of training other career services providers My local workforce center needed help with their curriculum during the 2009-2010 recession and got to train some of their staff and just loved it. I knew this is the way that I can have even a bigger impact because I can help these individuals who are doing the one-on-one work be more effective and have the latest and greatest so that they know they're doing the best for their clients.
0: I know in the career industry because that was it's still one that I'm very passionate about and I was involved in in that industry for quite a number of years. We've always been saying to even our clients back then and I'm sure you continue to do so, you need to build this online profile profile. We've been saying that to businesses as well. We did not assume or it could ever assume that something like what happened over the last uh, 12 months ago would ever happen. However, now many more businesses are online and it's very important that they follow some principles to really be able to do that well. So, let's talk about the three questions that we need to ask ourselves to go beyond the service and connecting with customers so that we really can start to break through that online noise what are these three questions yeah so you're exactly
1: right there are a lot more people online listening i mean viewership of videos and engagement and every social media went up this past year however there's more businesses online trying to get that attention and a lot of people think about you know what do i do what do i offer and there's many people that probably offer similar things if you're a photographer there's a lot of photographers if you're a career coach there's a lot of career coaches So thinking about what motivates your focus in your space. Why do you do what you do specifically? So if you're really focused on helping women, why is that? Maybe it's because you were raised by a single mother and you wanna make sure that moms have the independence and financial independence and tools that they need. When you get down to that motivator, that focus, one, there's usually a story behind it and that story is memorable and connective and two it makes you unique very few people are going to be motivated motivated by the same things that you're motivated by to focus on your ideal client
0: yes when if someone is struggling with that because i know it's very important to be mindful of that and connect to your why sometimes what is so apparent to others from at the outside can often be difficult to really pinpoint for ourselves. Are there some things that perhaps you've done or you've seen others in the career space as they were going through this process to be able to really hone in on that special ideal client? Is there anything that you can share insights around that? Because I know so many service-based business owners can struggle with this.
1: Yeah, so it kind of gets to our first story that we're going to talk about when we get to the stories, which is that origin story. Why did you get into this work? What motivated you to do this work instead of every other type of work? And if you don't know your exact client yet, it may be the specific problems that you wanna help clients with. What motivates you to solve those problems? And that can be your focus and your story for a while until you get to that point where you're niching down more to the types of customers you wanna work for. That niche is something that evolves I think a lot of times we get pressure to get niched, you know, find your niche. That's going to evolve for most people. If you aren't feeling like you're there yet, focus in on what services are you really passionate about? What problems do you want to help people
0: solve? And what's the motivator behind that? And that's an interesting point because sometimes what we do is we focus on the who rather than perhaps focusing on the what, because if you look back at your career, your history or the knowledge experience that you have, qualifications, there may be an area of specialty that you really can niche into and become known as that trusted authority in. So that's right. There's all of these different things to consider. So that's one story. What's another story we need to be mindful of, Marie? Yeah.
1: So the next story is your motivation or passion. And that kind of goes along with the question of what is your opinion about what you do? We Most of us are passionate about a certain topic or a certain way that we believe it, it could be done to be best. And what motivates that opinion? So where does that opinion come from? As you were just saying, usually it comes from our specific experience doing something. So what is your motivation? What is your passion? What's driving you to do that work that you do? And it may be sort of wrapped up in your origin story, how you got into it, or it may be slightly separate. And those pieces can really help put the, the world, the work together. So I sort of told you my origin story. I was working at the university and then I did my stint with the woman that was running this business. But my motivation and passion story is at the, the luggage pickup at Denver International Airport. I was sitting there getting ready to pick up my luggage. I was reading my book to study for the National Counselor Exam. And it's a very big book, it's very distinct. And this group of women was also standing by luggage area. And they said, oh, are you studying for your National Counselor Exam? And I said, oh yeah, I'm studying this and that. "No, oh, what kind of counselor do you wanna be? And I said, oh, I'm gonna be a career counselor. And automatically they're their countenance changed and they said, oh, so you're going to write resumes. And they made it known really quickly that they did not value career counseling. And these were high school counselors come to find out they were coming back from a high school counseling conference and they didn't value career development. And that is my motivator. That's my passion. That put me on a mission to help Other people understand the power of career development and for career professionals to be the best that they can be so that every individual who interacts with
0: one sees the value of career development and career coaching. Yes, I love that because that kind of became your stand for because hearing that feedback, you knew the value. Obviously, they had not uh, known the value. Isn't it interesting how a conversation Uh, just people that you may never have met were you not there at that right right, exact time to meet has really uh, set you on the path to that and it really was going back did you see that because here's one of the reasons that I'm asking this question often it's not till we purposefully or intentionally sit down and look backwards and connect the dots and I think Steve, uh, uh, Steve Jobs said that well didn't he you can often connect the dots when you turn around and you connect them going backwards is that something that um, all of a sudden, once that happened, that kind of led you down the path. It was a little bit later on when you kind of sat down and thought intentionally, I want to see what are some of the stories that I want to share? What's the uniqueness of my story? Yeah, you definitely have to think about those stories. And
1: that's why I love these questions. And we teach a certified digital branding strategist class. And always people come into that class and they're career service providers. So they've been doing this work And we give them some of these questions and they go, oh, I hadn't thought about that or I hadn't taken it to that depth. And that depth is what really helps us have stories that distinguish us and are memorable. And then we can connect the dots and threads through those stories to, you know, the so what, why does my client care about this story? Yeah,
0: One of the reasons that I think they are so powerful, and of course, what you've mentioned they engage with our ideal customers, is because in some way, sometimes our ideal customer can resonate with that story. They may have had a specific challenge. They may be going through something that you've been able to go through before, or if you share a story of some of the clients and some of the similarities. It's all about kind of building that rapport and allowing our customers to recognise, I get you, I understand you, and I'm here for you. Would you say that's correct?
1: Yes, and in fact, that story ended up being a cornerstone of the, the bio that you'll see on the About Me page of the Career Thought Leaders website because it is. I've been in your shoes. I know that career counsellors are looked down on and that people don't value career coaching, and that's why I Career Thought Leaders does what it does is to help you Bring that value to help you communicate that value and to charge what you're worth in, in the space, especially when people are doing business, because they might not value what they do or might not know the value of what they do, depending on how they've come into this field.
0: Yes. I would imagine too, as you're working with some of those career professionals, and by the way, if you're watching or listening or the replay, it doesn't matter what industry that you're in, you may not be in careers, you can still use the same principles, the same stories that Marie is sharing today. As your clients who are now career professionals are going through these questions and they're getting clarity, isn't it interesting that they are having themselves the uh ahas? they're able to then be uh, from an in i call it this inner confidence they realize just how valuable their services are and what they can offer their clients we need to see that in our services first before others will often rec- recognize that too is that something that you recognize when people have gone through these questions and started to really clarify what are my unique stories
1: yeah it's almost like you know a flower opening in spring It's, it takes a while and people start to find their voice and be more comfortable sharing their stories and find the stories that are comfortable to share and relevant. You know, this isn't about bearing your deepest pains. And sometimes you see those stories online and you think, well, that
0: doesn't really fit or that feels funny. That should have been in your journal, not necessarily out into the world, (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. So you've got to find the, the stories that really connect and, and like you said, show the client you've been where they've been. And when you find those stories and you start to get more comfortable telling them, it's really amazing to watch the transformation that happens, especially online, where oftentimes people feel a little timid. And this kind of flows into the, the third question, which is what conversations do you want to be having with your clients online? Because it's not about just sharing content, it's about engaging people in the conversations. And that comes from knowing your clients' pains. What are they trying to overcome? And what is comfortable for them to talk about online? And sometimes even, you know, I'll post a question and no one will respond and I'll go, oh, that question might've dug a little deep and no one wanted to talk about that out here in the open, right? And so we're thinking about what conversations make sense to have. With our clients online, what will be helpful to them and and engaging for them?
0: Yes, that's a great good point. So, I mean, you may speak a little bit more into this into the third point where we're getting past overwhelm well and posting online to build our community online. But thinking about those questions and and this is a good point because sometimes as we're starting to express ourselves, starting to share posts people may not necessarily inter, engage with that and interact. Don't think that that's not a good question, but it may be a question that is more for a deeper conversation. What would you do in that case? How do you know the difference, or is it just a matter of posting, between a, a conversation or a question that will start, that will prompt conversation versus a question that is probably a little bit too deep? Does that make sense? Do you, do you have kind of some insights on how we to discern that between the two so when i'm posting things online especially
1: thinking about the platform so on linkedin i try to post things that when my audience responds it will help them as well as me so i might ask them what is their top tip for this or that and then when they respond it makes them look good And it engages them in this conversation. So it's not about me coming across as the expert. I'm posing this great question that shows my expertise without having to be, you know, I'm the only one that knows this. And I invite other people to share their expertise. And that way they get the benefit out of LinkedIn that they want too. So if you are, you know, a photographer and you're helping clients, you might think about what would help them to share in their space. So you might ask, you know, how do you demonstrate your expertise in this way? Or what is your top tip for your industry? How have you positioned yourself as a leader? Something that gets people engaged also ties in a little bit to whatever you do. You know, I've got a few people in my audience that are brand photographers. So it's not just about the picture, but it's about a picture that really demonstrates the person's brand. So there's questions that you can ask that get people engaged. Then you might ask a, a more Person, uh, personal South right word, but a deeper question in a Facebook group where people can respond and know that a limited pool of people is seeing that.
0: And I, I, I think what you're saying there is to really know your audience, know the value that they are looking for, maybe some of the areas that may be a question of them or or for them that they can contribute because, yeah, sometimes we can come across as an encyclopaedia, can't we, and then no one really is is going to engage with that because you've given the full story. But in this instance you do want to engage because, as we know, that's all about building community. And your ideal client may very well be monitoring, be looking at that, and and hopefully would step forward and contribute. Now, you mentioned the word in the third point that you want to talk about today, which I'm sure many of your clients and many ambitious entrepreneurs can, can resonate with, and that is overwhelm, particularly when we think of the amount of platforms that are now being added to the space? Do we need to be on all of them? How do we how do we balance so that we don't feel overwhelmed with all of the choices when it comes to building our community online, Marie?
1: Yeah, and just to reiterate that point we were just talking about is it's really making it about your customer or your community. And when I feel like I'm struggling with what to post and those types of things, it's usually because I'm focused on myself. So what should I post? What could I do to you know, capture attention or whatever it might be? Instead of thinking about what do my clients need to hear today? What would be helpful for my customers? What problems have they been coming to me for that I could share some insights here you know, on LinkedIn or on Facebook? And when you flip that focus, it makes it a lot easier to share. And this kind of gets into the third story type, which is that hero story But in a hero story, especially for a coach or a service provider, the hero is not you. The hero is your client. And so you're telling stories that show your your clients as that hero or writing posts that let your clients be the hero by engaging and, and responding. And when you think about putting them in that hero seat instead of yourself, that also helps reduce that fear and paralysis around posting. Yes. Now when we get to the platforms, it's experimenting a little bit, doing your research up front. So different platforms attract different types of people and also thinking about what's going to fit with your strengths. If you're a writer, then pick platforms where writing is a big part of it. If you, you know, hate photography, don't like pictures, then you're probably not gonna do well on Instagram unless you're gonna hire someone else to do that. You wanna find that place where all of those three pieces meet. So your content, your customer and where they are, and then your strengths in terms of the way that you wanna share your content.
0: Yeah. I love the way that you've um, given people permission because sometimes we hear marketers who are saying, you need to do video, you need to do video. Or I I think of a, a colleague of mine who struggles to write. He will stare at a blank page, whether he's writing or whether he's typing, for hours if not days or weeks in some instances. He said, but I'm happy to talk. So lead with the strength of the communication style that you are most comfortable with. And there may be some ways to repurpose that. I think what he did was then get it transcribed. It was then you know, developed into an article and so forth. But often what we do, and it's a great reminder for us, Marie, is we get stuck before we even do anything, because we assume that we need to, I need to get out videos or I need to get out articles, which is not necessarily, and I would imagine that this is true. And this is what you say, do something well, rather than multiple things, not very well or sporadically. Yes. Yeah. Consistency is important. And I encourage
1: people to pick at least two platforms. A lot of people in the careers industry and say, well, I'm on LinkedIn and that's the only place I need to be but the laws of marketing tell us that you need to get in front of people you know, seven to nine times. And if you're only doing LinkedIn, boy, it's gonna take a long time because the algorithm only shows so many people each post, but it's just gonna take a long time for finding another way to connect, whether that's a newsletter or a Facebook page or a Twitter account, it doesn't have to be everything, but I'd recommend that people choose at least two or three ways that they're connecting with people so that you can get those connection points more frequently. If you're just doing one thing, most of the platforms are set up to where any one person in your audience is not going to see every post you make. So even if you're posting every day or 10 times a day in the, ter- in the world of Twitter, people aren't going to see that. And that being on multiple platforms is important, but you don't need to be on all of them.
0: Yeah, great point. Something that I did when I was in the career space and I still continue to do now in my work is always have a a newsletter, a weekly one. I would have people that were on that database for over 18 months and all of a sudden, well, I'm ready to make that move now. And I'm sure that had they not been getting those regular updates and and insights, it was very much driven insights and, and tips and so forth, that they would never have remembered my name even. So, that's a great point. Something else that I'm sure that people may not recognize is that if you share something on LinkedIn, why not share it as a, a couple of multiple posts on on uh, Twitter? You don't have to completely reinvent the wheel. can't do you? You can repurpose things. Speak a little bit about that because I'm sure that that's going to be um, certainly taking overwhelm off people thinking that I don't have to create new content for every single platform that I'm on.
1: Yeah, so this is something that William Arruda was teaching in the personal branding classes that I took, took over five years ago, 80-20. We hear it all the time, but in the content world, it's spend 20% of your time creating and 80% of your time sharing, repurposing, because you don't need to create a blog post every day. You need to share a blog post every day or what you know, whatever it might be that you do. And just as you were saying, if you do a podcast, get it transcribed, my virtual assistant turns that transcription into an article that then I just have to edit. And there are so many ways that when you're repurposing, one, it makes it easier for you. But two, it gives you opportunities to, to delegate and automate and help have other people help you. Some, you know, A virtual assistant can create the images. A virtual assistant could turn a transcript into an article. It gives you ways that you don't have to be doing it all and you're taking that one piece that is the way you like to do things, whether that's a video, a podcast, an article, and then figuring out how to make it many. And, and maybe it's shorter videos, a little audio, whatever it might be. And guess what? You wouldn't even have to do the audio. So if I wrote an article. I could probably have a voiceover artist to the audio, right? And so thinking about, of course, if you're building your brand around your business, your voice would be important, but there are a lot of different ways that you can repurpose. It's not about creating a ton of of content. It's about getting that content out there consistently.
0: I'd imagine too that there are career professionals and and everybody actually who has at one time or another done some in-person speaking, uh, maybe now on Zoom, there may be some summits, online summits that you've been a part of. Now, that particular, whether it be 15 minutes, 20 minutes keynote or presentation, as you say, can be um, segmented into smaller snippets, which can be shared across LinkedIn, take them back to the original you know on your website there are i, I think there are so many different ways that you can repurpose and that i love what what you know william says use that 8020 rule there are so many different ways that you could repurpose and then maybe even and i think gary v does this his team does he he'll, they they will snippet and they'll make snippets but put together from different keynotes on a specific topic so that you've got a whole other creative, if you will, that is tying together different snippets. It's a matter of just sitting down and getting creative or or if you've got someone on your team to be able to support you in doing that. Now, Marie, if I'm correct, you've covered three of the stories and we promised to share four. So I'm intrigued. What's story number four? So the fourth one is that call to action type
1: story. So it might be similar to the the hero story because remember your client is the hero but it's really clear that this is what you can help someone with. It's that focus story. It's the call to action of this is why you'd come and work with me. My testimonials, my case studies, the, the even might be a white paper, the pieces that really show the impact that you have as a service provider or product seller, whatever you do in your business, or even in your career, because we teach our, Branding strategists to do these same things with job seekers and leaders, whatever it is that shows your target audience that this is why they would hire you. It's that pointed story that really brings to, the, to fruition that this is why you would hire me.
0: So, so important. And and it is so true. And I think now we we are finding that even people who are working for corporate may also now have a gig on the side or have some projects on the side, like consulting. So, whereas they previously have said, well, I don't really need to create as much content online because I'm employed. Well, guess what? it's so important for you to be creating content that showcases thought leadership, but showcases how you, um, you know, what are you contributing innovations and it doesn't need necessarily need to be me, you're the next, you know, Elon Musk, but rather the 1%, isn't it, Maria? What's the 1% differences that you're making innovations and suggestions that can really position you at, um, apart from everyone else, because it's something that you've spoken about and brought to the to the workplace. I've loved today's conversation, Marie. How can they find out more about uh, the work that you do? Maybe some people are thinking of themselves of a career change and that may be, I'm passionate about helping others to find a job that they love, a career that they find meaningful. Maybe that is a good place for me to start. How can they get in contact with you?
1: Yeah, so careerthoughtleaders.com has a directory of career services providers. It also cheers about our programs if people are interested in in getting into the career space or improving their personal brand or digital brand. And then another hot place in the market right now is resume writing. And for 15 years, the uh, resume writing academy has been training resume writers professionally. So if you wanna write resumes or LinkedIn profiles, those, that's the, the place to go to get trained in doing that. So Career Thought Leaders and Resume Writing Academy. And of course, always happy to connect with people on LinkedIn. I'm the only Marie Ziminoff on there. So just let me know that you listen to the show and look forward to connecting to you there as well.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Well, look, Marie, as always, thank you so very much. Thank you for the work that you're doing in the career space for other career uh, professionals. We've got a comment here, there. um Thank you so much. Useful learning. Thanks for sharing. You are so welcome. Make sure you connect uh, with Marie after the show. And thank you, as I was mentioning, because, you know, I, I do think career professionals can play such a significant role part in the lives of people because they may themselves not be able, these job seekers or career professionals may not recognise the value that they bring to the table. And I know that the career professionals that you work with, the, the, the consultants and so forth, they're trained to be able to pinpoint those and create those amazing stories and resumes, interview coaching, all of that. So um and we always say, don't we as professionals, don't try and do something yourself, go and hire an expert, go and hire someone who is a thought leader in the area of careers, because you may just find yourself um, saying yes to an opportunity where you've got far more salary opportunities than, than what perhaps you may have been able to garner on your own. So thanks for the, for the work that you do in that space too, Marie.
1: Yes, thank you, Anne-Marie. I love how you're supporting the small businesses and it's fun to watch your your show and, and the growth that it's had the last few years that we've known each other. So thanks for having me.
0: Just one small tip before we finish today's show, and this kind of segues beautifully from what Marie was sharing, and that is, if you want to build your reach and become known as that trusted authority in your field, if you do have a body of knowledge and you're able to really hone that down, then do really speak specifically to that ideal client or bring that expertise to the table so that you can showcase that you are a trusted authority and a thought leader. Because what we often attempted to do. trying to be all things to all people, don't we? Because we think if I cast my net wide, I'll be able to catch a large, large um, group of ideal client. But unfortunately, the opposite is true. If you try to be all things to all people, you end up speaking to no one. So know who your ideal client is, or at least the issues and challenges that they're struggling with. Speak into that, bring value, bring your insights, ask great questions like Marie said, so that you can create a community of people who are interested and in contributing to that. And you'll soon become known as that resource, especially if you continue to share value and insights and areas that is really leading the way in your industry. It all starts with that one clear message. Get clear on that first. And as always, let me know how you go and have a wonderful week. Bye for now. This podcast is brought to you by the influencealliance.com.